So tonight we are looking at being vessels unto honor. Um, but so if you're not there yet, turn to Second Timothy two twenty to twenty six. And before we dive in, let's pray. Lord God, I just uh, thank you for this opportunity to come preach your word. Um, I just pray that you would be guiding my mouth and guiding my words, and uh, may I, may I uh, expound this truthfully and according to your word, Lord, and uh, may we uh, receive a word from you tonight, Lord, and I just pray and ask your blessing on tonight, and pray this all in your name, amen. All right, so, looking at verse 20 to start off with, um, Paul starts out by uh, giving us a, a little metaphor um, that uh, um, is really the premise for everything that I'm going to be talking about tonight. Um, and so looking at verse 20, it says, But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Now, when I first looked at this, I was a little confused because I wasn't quite sure what exactly um, was meant by um, what the gold and silver represented, what the earth and wood represented. And so after I looked a little bit at um, a few commentaries and, and whatnot, um, most of them um, agreed in saying that the, good, the honorable vessels refer to um, um, biblical teachers and the wooden the earthen vessels are referring to false teachers. So we have these two, two different vessels that um, we're looking at. And so first off, um, um, actually, back up. First, I want to say my first point was that we need to cleanse, as vessels unto honor, we need to cleanse ourselves from the defilement that, that is without. And so now looking at um, different kinds of vessels. Um, we need to start out by distinguishing what each of the vessels are. So we see um, gold and silver representing honorable. And so when it comes to um, good, faithful teachers of the word, um, there are um, certain characteristics that I thought of that um, are displayed in the life of these good teachers and that we can be able to um, know and um, know that they are um, good teachers of, of God's word. And so first thing I wrote down was um, teaching that is, a, that is in accordance to the scriptures. Um, um, looking at... Uh, Back, if you go back to verse 15 of this chapter, it talks about studying, studying to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that not, needs not to be ashamed. And so in order to be giving um, good, solid doctrine, you need to be in the Word constantly. You need to be um, filling your heart and your mind with the words of God so that your teaching is... Um, um, sound and it is biblical and it is true to what God would have you to teach about. Um, 
And also I wrote down a high view of God because when you have, when you have your heart set on God, he will, he will direct you into the path that you should go and he will direct your every step. And also I wrote down having a dedication to prayer. Um, we can learn so much from people that are fully dedicated to, to prayer, as we heard in chapel earlier this week. And um, it really shows um, what truly a man of God is um, by the amount of time that they stay in their prayer closet. So that's the honorable one. And looking at the dishonorable vessel, um, uh, speaking of false teachers, um, the Bible is quite clear that we are to stay away from um, from false teachers, and it's quite clear that um, if you look at Matthew seven, it says to be to beware of them because they come to you looking like looking good. They are presentable, you know. They have lots of good stuff to say, but inwardly they are ravening wolves, and they. Um, are bringing a message that is contrary to, to God's word and contrary to sound doctrine. And looking at Second Peter two, um, Peter is talking about the fact that we will encounter these prophets and they, these false prophets and they will bring in damnable heresies. Um, he puts there, and Paul has mentioned in this has pointed out a couple people back in, I think it's first, uh, I can't find it, wait, 17. Um, he's pointing out people that were um, kind of spreading something that wasn't wrong, and it, and he says that the word will eat as doth a canker. And so even though they may look all right and they, um, they have a lot of good stuff to say. There might be, might be like just one little thing that they might have compromised or are teaching wrong, and that will um, destroy um, it being biblical and, and, and according to scripture. And also another thing to uh, way to discover these guys is that they have an unhealthy craving for controversies and they want to fight about words. Um, looking at First, First Timothy 6, 3, and 4, um, I like the way the ESV puts it. It says, He has an unhealthy craving for controversies and quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, and evil suspicions. So he's a, he enjoys in the quarrels, as you could say. Um... And one thing I just wrote down quickly was um, was moral decay, and it, it's sad to um, to see so much in these present days how um, you see you think someone is being a good teacher and pro, uh, expounder of the word, and then they they fall into uh, to sin, and and you can really tell a person by the way they're moral. Um, their moral, the morals are. So now that we've looked at what they are, um, I want to look just briefly at the purpose of the vessel. Now that isn't exactly stated in here, but I thought it'd be, it's good to keep in mind that uh, the whole purpose of being a vessel. 
And so, um, getting back to this um, cups in a in a big house, you uh, just picture you have your have a thirsty guy, and he wants he needs water to satisfy him, and so he puts water into a cup and then he drinks it and is satisfied. Now the cup wasn't wasn't what satisfied his thirst; it was the water being used by the cup. It was merely the channel through which the man was satisfied. So as, uh, as we are serving the Lord, um, we, 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 we need to be reminded constantly about the whole, the whole purpose of why we're doing what we're doing, why we're in ministry. Um, we are being used of God and it is His kingdom that we're building. It's not our, our own. And Mr. Mr. Anger this past week talked about that in chapel, how he was going on about talking about his ministry to his wife, and then his wife um, just kindly rebuked her, rebuked him, and said, "Whose kingdom are you building? Yours or God's?" And so we all we need to always keep that at the forefront of our focus, um, and and not let ourselves get in the way of what God is doing. Um, and so, looking at how to be, how are we to be a vessel unto honor? And looking at verse number 21 now, it says, If a man therefore purge himself from these things. And so we need to be um, refuting or getting away from these false teachers that would seek to dilute our message. Because um, we, we want to be um, clean vessels and... I don't know about you, but I don't like drinking out of a, a dirty cup. And so, because it, especially when you're drinking water, you can tell. Um, but, you know, it'll, it'll dilute whatever you're drinking, and it's not very nice. But, and so we, we want to be, be clean so that we can be properly used for what God has us to do. So we need to um, be disconnecting ourselves from these, from these false teachers and making ourselves right before God. Um, looking at 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, evil communications corrupts good morals. And so, in order for our testimony, for our service to God to be um, according, to, bi- to be biblical and to be above reproach, we need to um, cleanse ourselves from those people. And once we do that, we will now be a vessel unto honor. And Paul puts down three, di- three different things that we are now. We are sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared unto every good work. We are now set apart and we are be- now able to be used by God. We stand out um, and we are useful. We are ready to be used and we are prepared unto every good work. Um, and if you look back at Verses three and four, um, we see the yeah, it's, uh, we, we see the example of the soldier who doesn't get involved with the things of this world so that he can please those that are over him, and that that is very applicable to us as we we can't let the the little things of the world distract our attention from serving God. We need to be keep our focus on doing the work at hand. And 
I found this quote. Um, I, I can't remember if it was D.L. Moody that said it or if it was a friend of his. But it says, The world has yet to see what God can do with a man fully consecrated to him. So, so now that we've um, seen that we need to cleanse ourselves from the defilement that is without, Paul now changes to cleansing from the defilement that is within. Looking at verse 22, he says, To flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Alright, so we're looking at the idea of fleeing. And in the Greek, uh, it says, To seek safety in flight. Um, this is not uh, a mere casual, like, shifting away from these youthful passions. Um, it's not like you're starting out and it's like, okay, I need to, those things are bad, I don't want to be doing that, so I'm just going to start shifting away. But no, Paul said, he says to flee, he says, go in the opposite direction, you get out of there. And, and this command to flee is, flee and cleanse is, preceded by depart from iniquity um, in 19 and um, later in this verse where he says to pursue. Um, because, and the reason being that um, we have a new nature inside of us. Um, in 19 it says, let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. Um, as new creatures in Christ, we... Um, our sin nature, the things that have come, that come to us by our sin nature, they don't define us anymore. We, we are not walking after those things. We are now walking according to, uh, to godliness, and we are trying to, uh, trying to live um, more and more closer into the ways of God. And so that is the reason why we need to flee these things. We need to um, get as much distance between us from those things because... We are now trying, we need to be living according to the way that, that God has given us. Um, and so looking at what we're supposed to flee, youthful passions. When we consider these passions, I'm sure that you could all come up with a few things. Um, I put down basically any yearning or craving that young ministers might be susceptible to. Homer Kent suggested a few, such as pride, love of money, love of knowledge, all of which can be said a young minister. Um, and so, these are all things that, um, as young people starting out in ministry, um, maybe are appealing to us, and might be e it's very easy to fall into those things, and so we need to be constantly on the guard and be um, striving to keep away from those things. And, and I would also say that older pastors and all older people in ministry, um, even though this, this is directed at Timothy, who's just a young pastor in all this, that older, older men in, and women in, in, his, in ministry can easily, just as easily, fall into these things. So they, they, aren't, they aren't off the hook, I guess. Um, and so, in contrast to fleeing, we are now pursuing righteousness, faith, charity, and peace within the call of a pure heart. Now that we're turned in the opposite direction and we're running away from these things, we are now to be pursuing these, these things. Uh, and the idea of pursue is you're, you're going after something with 
the desire, the intent of acquiring it. And so that's how we need to be pursuing these things or going after these things with the, with the desire to um, implant these things in our lives and get them implanted in us. And so first looking at righteousness, um, righteousness has, from what I read, has a lot to do has a lot to do with character and we it is something that we need to be hungering and seeking for hungering and thirsting for as in um, as Jesus pointed out to us in Matthew 5 and Philippians 1.11 says that the fruit of righteousness comes through Jesus Christ and so we need to be pursuing that and in our pursuit of righteousness we can't be letting it get to our heads and um, you know, walking around saying look at how righteous I am just like um, the Pharisees in Jesus' day, how they walked about openly with their long robes, their long prayers, um, showing how how good almsgivers they were. But no, we can't let, we can't be like that. We need to um, pursue righteousness, but don't be boastful about it. Because God doesn't, God doesn't look on the outward. He looks on the heart. And this is a whole, this is, this whole matter is about a heart and getting our heart right. And so then we need to also go after faith. Faith is a trust in the unseen. And the use of the word here is to pursue the consequences of faith. And so looking at a few, few different things, we see faith is the victory that overcometh the world, First John 5, 4. Abounding in and giving diligence to faith, virtue, patience, godliness will consequently make us fruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, considering 1 Peter 1, 5, 3. And Jesus is the author and finisher of, our, finisher of our faith. And also pursue charity. And we are called to abound in love, in Philippians. And loving God is the first commandment, and the second is like it, um, loving, loving our neighbor as ourselves. And so love should flow out of the Christian because he first loved us and gave himself for us. God showed us the, the biggest act of love that anyone can, could ever think or imagine. And so now that he's loved us, we need to be loving one another and loving other people. And we can see lots of different places like Romans 12.10, Colossians 3.14, 1 Peter 4.8, 1 Peter 3.8, all talking about Loving one another. Love as brethren. Love one another. And so we see the importance of love. And lastly, we are to pursue peace. And the peace that God can grant, that we are to be pursuing, is a peace that passeth all understanding. And we are to seek peace in First Peter 3.11. We need to follow peace in Hebrews 12.14. And we see in Ephesians 6 that peace is part of the armor that we have as soldiers of God. So, moving on to um, the second half of this verse, we see that it, it is a communal pursuit. It is, we are not lone rangers in this. We have our brothers and sisters in the Lord who are there to encourage us, to exhort us, and to help us be pursuing these things. Um, turn, if you would, to Hebrews 10, and we'll Look at a little passage there. Hebrews 10, 22 to 25. Actually, starting in 23. It says, 
Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. For if we sin, we'll... Okay, that's it. <laughs> Went too far. But anyways, as we see from this passage that, basically what I just said, how we need to be gathering around each other and helping, maybe helping those who aren't as far along and just encouraging them and saying, hey, you're doing a great job, but let's, let's all strive to be doing better. And um, let's, we're all in this together, so let's keep pursuing these things. And this, this pursuit is out of a pure heart. Purity of heart in this is also, is very key. Um, we need to be, as we saw before, we need to be cleansing ourselves from the false teachers. And we need to be fleeing youthful passions. And, and once, once we get rid of all the things that defile us and things that um, interrupt our fellowship with God and that get in the way of us um, pursuing these things, we need to, once we get rid of these things, we'll, it's then that we'll be able to truly see God. Um, looking at the Sermon on the Mount again, it says those who are pure in heart will see God. And so we need to begin getting rid of the baggage and that is in our lives. And then moving on to verse 23, we see, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. We need to be, as, as we're going on in ministry, we need to be avoiding the small little things that um, really are, are the less important things. And it's interesting how the less uh, little things like, I don't know, Things I thought of were like disputes between the rug or hymn, hymnal books and song books, whatever. Um, just little things that really aren't that important, but they seem to gender the, uh, the most bitter disputes. And so we need, we need to be concerned mostly with the teaching of God's Word and stuff that... Um, is stuff that is pertaining to the teaching of, of the Word and not just little things that can get in the way. Um, um, one of the uh, commentators I looked, looked up um, described these uh, questions as coming from people that... Um, who are really, um, when it comes to maybe little, littler matters of theology that you're discussing, it comes, these questions come from people that really don't have a big understanding of these things and they're um, putting the wrong application, I guess, to it. And so we, as teachers, we need to be instructing them in, in the right way. So that wraps up um, cleansing ourselves. And so now we are able to be vessels unto honor that um, 
are can be used of God to 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 others and to whom we're serving. And so Paul has given us in these last few verses and all throughout this book really just different um, characteristics and different principles that we can live by to um, in in relation to instructing others. And the first one we see is he must not strive. And strive pretty much means not quarrelsome. And so as we're going out administering and we're ministering to people, we don't want to be um, looking for a fight, not looking for an argument, and looking for an opportunity to um, prove our point. Um, but because our, our ministry is to, to minister, to comfort, exhort, and, and help those that we are ministering to. And we need, need to be keeping that, that as our focus in all of this. Um, second, we look at he must be gentle unto all men. And this is in conjunction with not striving because instead of picking fights, we need to be gentle in our approach and humble in our approach to uh, instructing people. And looking also at church discipline, when it comes to those hard decisions um, that, that you may be faced or those hard situations that you have to deal with, um, we don't want to be bashing the truth over people's head and saying, you need to smarten up. But you want to show them the truth of what God's word says and lovingly show them in a true heartfelt way. No, this is wrong. You need to, you need to um, change, change your attitude. You need to change your life because you are you're not living according to God, God's word. So, um, however, however, I will point out that there does come a time when um, you do you do need to, if the person doesn't change, that that's when church discipline comes into effect. If they're unrepentant and they don't want to listen, there does come a time when you need need to. Um, I can't think of the word I'm looking for, but you need to be be firm in in your decisions with that. And so next we see that he must be able to teach. And so I wanted to look at um, verse two, just real quickly. It, ta- it says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. And so here in this verse, we see the whole process of, of teaching. Um, Paul is saying to Timothy, Here, I, I've been teaching these things, and you have been growing in the knowledge of, of God's word. And so now that you've learned these things, you are to teach, teach others what you have learned. And... And, and so then, in turn, they'll be eventually be able to teach others. And so the, the cycle continues. And so we need to be, be a faithful study of the, the scriptures so that um, we can be able to teach the sound doctrine, being that workman that is not ashamed, being that workman that has studied these things out and um, has not been reading what he thinks into the scriptures, but letting the 
letting the scriptures influence what he has to say. And, and the neat thing about God's word is it doesn't change. Um, God doesn't, um, taken from this morning's sermon a little bit, God doesn't change his view uh, according to what this evangelical preacher has now thought of. No, God's word is sure. It stands firm. It doesn't change. And so we can learn many things from that. And we can also... Um, I wanted to just bring out the fact that being a teacher, we also need to be willing to be taught. We need to have that willingness to, to keep learning. And... Um, We are always learning. Um, there's always new stuff to learn. And don't think for one minute that you'll be able to reach that point of not having to learn anything more. And also, other thing about um, learning more is that we need to be willing to be taught, um, taught things that we need to be willing to be corrected, rather. And we need to learn from the instruction of those older, that, older than us that have experienced this thing is that, and no, that's wrong. We need to. This is what the Word of God said. So we need to always be willing to be corrected. Um, I just wrote down a few. Um, oh, you don't have to turn, but Proverbs has a lot to say about um, heeding and heeding instruction and um, being being taught and stuff. We see one seven. Uh, Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Four thirteen. Take hold fast of instruction. Let her not go. Keep her, for she is your life. 6.23, reproofs of instruction are the way of life. 8.10, receive my wisdom, or receive my instruction, that's wisdom talking, and not silver. 8.33, hear instruction and be wise and refuse it not. 9.9, 9, give instruction to a wise man and he will yet be wiser. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. 10.17, he is in the way of life that heedeth instruction, but he that refuseth reproof erreth. 12.1, whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. 13.1, a wise son heareth his father's instructions, but a scorner heareth not rebuke. 13.18, poverty and shame shall be to him that refuseth instruction, and the list goes on. So as you probably noticed, Proverbs isn't too, too complimentary of people that reject instruction. But on the other hand, he is, it is very complimentary of those that heed it and are willing to listen to it. And so I wrote quickly three things that we can learn, we can, we, we can be taught, it's through the word of God, as we mentioned, um, be from those who have gone before us, who, um, who have experienced these things and can teach us, teach us these things, and experience I put down, it's been said that experience is your greatest teacher, and some of the greatest lessons that you will learn will be from your mistakes, and also from the right decisions that you made. And next, he must be patient. Patient. And, you know, patience in our North American culture is very hard to come by. It is, it is a virtue, but it is a very lost virtue in, in our society. It's very, everyone's just go, go, go. I don't have time for this. I don't have time for that. Um, 
Second Corinthians six four says, But in all things, approving our, ourselves as the ministers of God, in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, and in distresses. Patience is a way that we can prove ourselves to be faithful ministers of God in Second Corinthians twelve twelve. And if we have patience, it is followed by blessings. And we can in Romans fifteen four we we will have hope. Luke eight fifteen we will bring forth fruit. We will inherit the promises in Hebrews six twelve. And if we let patience have its work, we will be perfect, wanting nothing in James one four. So we need to be cultivating patient in, patience in our lives. Uh, lastly, here as we are, um, Paul's um, refers again to being meek, meekness in instructing others. And now, meekness in the Greek gives the meaning of humbleness and gentleness. And here we're talking about being that way in relation to instruction, to teaching others. And so, as uh, as we have discussed before. Um, as we are teaching and as we are dealing with the hard decisions of, of involved with church discipline and stuff like that, it needs to be flavored with a humble and gentle spirit. And here we are instructing those that oppose themselves. And I think the ESV puts it, um, those that are in opposition to us or something like that. And so we are instructing... As we are involved in instructing, um, at some point or other, we will face opposition. As long as we're being true to Scripture and true to God's word, true to um, God's will and sound doctrine, there are some people, both within and without, the, outside the church, rather, who will not like what we have to say, and they'll be jealous of our, I guess of our Christ-like attitude. And so we will, we will definitely run into that. Um, John said, uh, Jesus said in John 15 that the world will hate you because it first hated me. So, so cheer up because tribulation is on the way. <laughs> um, uh, so as a, a closing remark, um, Looking at the second half of 25 and 20, looking at 26, it says, If God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. Again, looking at the whole purpose of the vessel, we are, we, our job our responsibility is to present present ourselves and be that vessel unto honor and um, instruct others and be be faithful to God's word and be and base all our teaching upon the words of God and sound doctrine and ultimately it is God who who changes the light it is God as we see in 26 who breaks the bonds of satan it is God, this is God's ministry, and we are simply the channels through which he works. And we, we can't let ourselves, um, what we're doing, um, 
um, get in the way of what God is doing. We need to be surrendered and willing to be used to God. And if, when we are fully dedicated to His service, um, and just being that vessel that is that He can use, God will do amazing things in and through you, in and through you. So just to close, I would say, um, how are you doing in this? Are you being that vessel unto honor? Are you cleansing yourselves from unbiblical teaching? Are you cleansing yourselves from the youthful passions? Are you, cle- are you pursuing the things that um, are according to godliness? Are you pursuing righteousness, faith, hope, charity, and peace? Does that, is that who you are? Are you a vessel unto honor? So, let's pray in closing. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you for um, this instruction in your word to um, be constantly um, rejecting false teachers and their, their doctrine and rejecting the things of the world and pursuing um, godliness, pursuing Christ-likeness. And Lord, may we be, be walking in a way, in a manner that is worthy of the calling to which we have been called, Lord. And I just thank you for this time and pray that we would take this and incorporate it into our lives, Father. I pray this all in your name. Amen.